Hi, this is Hyperwave. I'm Leah here with Tyler. And yes, it's Monday. Um, markets are not looking good. I don't know if you guys have already seen Tone's show today, but we are following up. And also traditional markets are being a little cuckoo right now. So we're going to look at traditional markets. We're going to maybe discuss some more macroeconomics because we heard that you guys like Tyler discussing that. So maybe a little bit about the yield uh, in, well, the yield curve potentially inverting, if it actually means something. A lot of people think it does. A lot of crazy stuff with OPEC, lots of lots of lots of lots of stuff. But I will wait for the show to begin. First, I will say hello, Ty. Hi, Leah. Um, yeah, exciting times. We had a wonderful time uh, last weekend in DC at the Washington Elite Conference. Leah was spectacular. There were some great panels. Um, I was controversial as usual, uh, particularly with that crowd, but, but very well received. And you've all heard it before, what we think is going on in the world. Um, but it was eye-opening to a lot of people. And uh, I'm really glad we did it. So uh, tonight, as Leah said, we're going to get into Bitcoin uh, big time. And we're going to get into traditional markets because I spoke too soon about how good things looked with some tweets early this morning, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But uh, thank you for watching, and back to you, Leah. All right, before we go, we got to shill a tiny bit, but so many exciting things. Actually, this weekend is our first webinar, and uh, this isn't selling, but actually I'm most excited, Tyler, for this than all the ones that you've done. I am going to pull up our website really quickly, guys. So, cause we have a new website, we have a new website. So a little bit more difficult to navigate than my crappy Squarespace thing. So right now until Lucid Funds gets uh, thrown over, which has been a nightmare, but the company name is Lucid Investment Strategies. So you do have to go to lucidinvestmentstrategies.com. Products, you have the workshop, which, Tone, if you're watching, um, yes, we are presenting at Unconfiscatable and there's only six seats left actually in three days. Uh, somehow 24 people signed up. Thank you guys. Um, and then Tyler, just really quickly, you want to you wanna talk about this amazing schedule that you've created? Right. We, uh, we are going to go into great detail about Hyperwave. And this is the first time that we have done that publicly other than through our vlogs and mentioning it in uh, a number of ways through webinars and tweets. But we're we can only take 30 people and that has to do with the size of the venue we will be at for the unconfiscatable uh, conference. So there are only a very small number of seats left and we've still got almost two months, a month and a half to go before it. So if anyone is thinking about going to the unconfiscatable conference, and you are interested in learning in great detail about Hyperwave, we are going to limit uh, what, we don't know exactly what that limit's going to be, the number of public uh, workshops we do on Hyperwave. I wanna keep it limited, but we will be able to do 30 at the one in Vegas. Um, and as Leah just, Pulled up. We started it at one Bitcoin for the first 10 people, one and a half for the next 10, 
and now we're up to two, which is still very inexpensive relative to what's going to happen. Uh, this is going to go on for many hours. I'm still working it through. We will use a huge number of um, examples that we have never talked about before because a lot of them are live right now in the marketplace, things in phase two, three, four, five, six, and even seven. Uh, but we will go through them, explain why, how, where, when, how you draw your lines, how you find them yourself, if you do have them, uh, how you trade them. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've waited um, many, many years to be able to do this. Uh, so please, uh, if you are thinking about it, do it tonight or soon. Otherwise, we will be sold out. Now, there are a number of great speakers. Tone is doing another in-depth analysis of his techniques. Um, and of course, we've got Jimmy uh, teaching um, all about um, developing and programming blockchain and many, many others. So if you can't get into ours, I hope you do. If you can't, uh, it's still going to be a spectacular uh, four days. We'll all be together for the poker tournament. We'll all be together for dinners. We will all be together uh, throughout the days. A lot of time to meet everyone, talk to everyone in detail. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great conference. But thank you, uh, those that uh, have already signed up. Thanks, Ty. And uh, one more thing, if we could talk about the webinar. And <laughs> to one of the person in the live chat, BitConnect, yeah, I bet that Ugly Old Goat is going to be singing his song uh, potentially all weekend. Nick will be there, Saifedean, Peter Todd. I mean, it's going to be so much fun. Um, so this one, which is December 8th, people keep asking, it is EDT. Technical, uh, technical trading systems. There is a lot here. And uh, I'm just going to say, who here uses the Copic? Copic? I don't even know how to say Copic, it. <laughs> Copic curve. Yeah, there's a bunch of, we are going to talk about things we haven't talked about before. We're going to get into a couple of the other systems that I use that we haven't talked about um, before. Uh, and the most important thing about this webinar this Saturday at uh, two o'clock going on for four hours, number one, if you can't be there live, you can pull it up if you register for the next month after that. So you're gonna have plenty of time to go through each of the hours uh, as carefully as you need to, take notes, ask questions, um, to me directly, and we'll talk about that uh, afterwards. But that's the main thing about how we're doing these webinars. I want to get into huge detail in this one, how all of these other systems are used at various points in Hyperwave, in Consensio, in Broadening Tops, which I call the Selgin Trading System, and in another system that I use um, that is called Capital Market Quanta, all of those things fit into my decision-making uh, methodology. So even though you know what McClellan Oscillator is 
or you know the Bollinger Bands or RSI or uh, any of these other things that are listed, we're going to be talking about them from a different perspective than you've ever heard before, uh, including a lot of background on each one, why they were designed, how they were designed, how they were originally used, but most importantly, how uh, I have been using them for the last 30 years in making uh, decisions to buy and sell. So I think everyone will find it very interesting. We've got a lot of room. We've set it up so you will not be excluded. And even if you can't listen live, you're going to be able to pull it up at your leisure over a long period of time. So thank you for bringing that up, Leah. All right, and we will start. And Tyler's, oh, Thor's going nuts. Something you haven't seen that I did, which uh, if for everybody that's watching right now, it is 0.03 Bitcoin right now to the $150, which is not accurate and being hopefully kind to everybody here who wants to throw Bitcoin our way, um, even though we're still bearish. So with that said, Tyler, a little surprise for you there, but I uh, wanted to support our fellow Bitcoiners here, at least for uh, until you uh, make me change that one. So that's great. And uh, then just one other uh, quick announcement. Uh, we've been threatening uh, as lovingly as we can that we're going to have to stop our um, consulting service. We simply don't, we've got great, great clients, consulting clients, uh, but there have been, we've got too many of them for the amount of time I have on a daily basis to speak with all of those people. So I've been saying maybe we'll go to the end of December before we shut that off, but we've got to do it now. Now means um, by the end of this week. If there's anyone that still is interested in getting information about the consulting, um, please do it as quickly as possible. Come uh, this weekend, we will not be able to take uh, any other consulting clients. At the same time, next week, Leah and I will announce a new program that we're doing that isn't so time consuming for either the consulting clients or myself. Um, and we'll give you the details on that, but we'll be opening that up next week. And we'll give you all the details about that for those that are interested in simply being able to reserve some time to ask specific questions about your specific portfolios. Um, and uh, we'll tell you how that's going to work and, and all of the rest of it. But enough of all of that. We've got a lot to talk about today. And uh, I think what we'll do is we're gonna go right into screen share because uh, I wanna talk about Bitcoin briefly you know how we feel about Bitcoin from a pricing point of view over the long term, over the short intermediate term, and where our target is, which remains at a thousand. Although uh, almost no one has jumped into that camp with us. More and more of you are talking about thanking us for uh, saving you a lot of money uh, over the last 10 months by listening to what Hyperwave is saying, but uh, still even the analysts that have seen us break below 6,000 
are not coming to that conclusion. A lot of people thought we could hold 5,000 and then 4,000, and now more and more are looking at the 3,000 area. So I wanna talk about that in the context of what we're doing. So what I will do right now is I will pull up a Bitcoin chart and and guys, while uh, Tyler pulls it up, I will be looking for your questions. Nick, give me a hard one. But in general, I will look for them. We have a little time today. All right, Ty. Okay, here it is. This is the weekly chart of Bitcoin from the peak at 19,666 on Bitstamp. And you don't need to see where the 6,000 level is because it was so predominant for so many months and had within it a number of bounces, one, two, three, four, little tiny five. And then we came to the end of a very large descending triangle that a lot of people said, that's not a descending triangle. And Tone Vase, who is a master at that particular type of technical analysis, said that if this breaks down from this formation, we're going to probably go down to a target of 3,000. Well, we're getting there very quickly. After the break, we have had almost no respite. We've gone to 34.74. We tried to bounce over 4,000, get back up to 5,000, didn't even come close. And then right now we're sitting at 38.47. 3848. And I'm not going to go through all of my um, my technicals on this because none of them are changed. Nothing is positive. The only interesting thing is the Bollinger Band because we not only did what I thought it would do, which is break below the lower band line, did it back here three and a half weeks ago, closed above it, did it two weeks ago, closed below it, but we didn't get an entire bar below it. And that's what I'm looking for until this past uh, week ending on Sunday, in which we do have an entire bar. It's not a big one. Uh, it turned out to be a green one, but uh, did not close above it or on it. And often that means that could be the end of the move and we'll go back to the mid uh, moving average, which is sitting right around the $6,000 area right now. So a lot of analysts thought that we had a possibility of running up there again. I do not. I thought we could get as high as 4,800 or 5,000, but I do not believe that anymore. And I tweeted that out. I believe we are now uh, aiming for the 3,000 area, somewhere between 2,800 and 3,200. And I do agree with a number of other analysts that that should provide quite a bit of support maybe in terms of time um, by going above and below it and bouncing off of it. I am not personally going to recommend at this point that anyone start buying at that level. 
because I believe too strongly in when the phase two of a hyperwave is broken, which this one was right at the 6,000 level that started all of this down, <clears throat> that that is a terminal break. We didn't even try to get back above it. And we've fallen so far from it, all the way down to 3,400 from 6,000 within two weeks, that uh, that is enough for me to um, firmly believe that we're going to see a thousand at least being touched by a wick and probably closing below it and maybe as low as 800 or 700 or 600. We'll know a lot more as that develops. But for now, the only thing we have going technically is uh, this fight right at the lower band of Bollinger. We are below it again. We were above it um, two trading sessions ago, but we are now below it. And um, the next move from here is going to be a deeper candle, I believe, down to the 3000 level. And then we will reassess and we will keep everybody informed. As a technical analyst, I know nothing is 100%. I'm embarrassed to say that hyperwave is 100% in terms of when you break a phase two, that you go all the way back down to the phase one. In this case, it's 1000. Um, I would love it if this is the first time ever out of hundreds of examples that this is not true. Because as you know, I believe Bitcoin uh, provides one of the four solutions to the macroeconomic picture. And the quicker we can get to wherever we're going and the more damage we can do to the other cryptos, to clean them out, the better it is going to be for Bitcoin in terms of its next move up, in terms of how quickly it happens and also how high it can go. And as we get closer and closer to whatever the terminal point is here, we'll start uh, giving you all the details that we can. Of course, we're going to discuss this as one of the examples to a great extent at the unconfiscatable conference. Uh, we will probably spend uh, an hour just on Bitcoin, not only on where we are now, but how we were able to ride this entire move up and get out on the first candle after the high. Um, and, um, that will become very clear. So once again, anybody that can make it to that conference in Vegas, I think uh, you're going to find this fascinating. Okay, enough of that. What I want to talk about, um, because I don't have any questions about Bitcoin at this point in terms of where it's going, in terms of price, is I want to take a look at the traditional markets. I thought what had occurred over the weekend in the G20 uh, meeting and particularly between China and the United States 
was a major victory for the possibility of the U.S. economy and the U.S. stock markets to have a very strong December, January, February, and very possibly a very strong 2019. And I tweeted a bunch of things out saying that this morning. I threatened to start uh, front-running Consensio and putting cash back to work in the U.S. markets. It was clear we were going to open up in most averages well above our three Consensio lines. But I'm very disappointed at the action of the U.S. market today. Um, after the open, and we were up 500 points and uh, two to two and a half percent on many indexes, that's as far as it got. And it began to fade all day long for some fundamental reasons having to do with uh, clarifications on what was actually agreed to in the, um, in the talk with China. Uh, they have reported different set of agreements than uh, Mnuchin and Trump have been reporting throughout the end of the weekend and today. Not that they are contradictory, only that the U.S. is emphasizing certain things that uh, the Chinese are not even talking about. And that got uh, the the uh, CNBC folks and the Bloomberg folks in the Twitter land um, talking all day long that maybe it wasn't as strong as it appeared to be. Because of that, we faded almost back to where we started, only up 100 on the Dow. And then luckily in the last few minutes, we came back up. But what we're looking at now is the way I look at Consensio using a three moving average, a seven and a 30. And on that basis, the long term, my 30, which is really the same as only 150 days, this is a weekly chart. So 30 on a weekly is 150 trading days. Um, the long-term moving average on the Dow has never really turned down. It flattened out. It flattened out back here. It actually went down briefly, but that was only because of all of this activity. Price was still going up, and so was the intermediate and short-term with this downturn. And then the long-term moved back up again and is still working its way higher. This chart is actually very bullish. It's bullish because not only is this entire candle, which is only one day long, um, above everything, but it's a gap above what we saw last week in terms of the highs. And that's a very good sign. You won't see that much progress in the other indexes we're going to look at briefly. But what is happening is the short-term moving average which is below the intermediate, which is below the long, which should be a bear market, other than the fact that the long was still going up, these two are going to quickly be able to cross above the long-term moving average if we only stay here. We don't even need to go up from here. 
but that's again not true on the other charts. So the Dow to me looks good, uh, but that's only one piece of the puzzle. So now let's look at some other pieces of the puzzle. Let's look at the S&P 500. And let's go back to a full screen. You can't see it, but it's right here. This is today's candle, which is a weekly candle, but it's only a day long. We did pierce the long-term moving average from the bottom. The short term has turned up and crossed the intermediate term. And this is a bullish picture but it's not nearly bullish enough to start putting money from cash back into it. It could have been. I would have started putting a little bit of money in if we had closed price-wise above that moving average. We didn't. We cracked it on the wick, but then we closed down below it slightly, which means we've still got between now and Friday. The problem is that Wednesday the markets are closed. So tomorrow is going to be a very important day in my overall view that the stock market could be beginning a reversal and that would be very bullish for the rest of December and into early next year too early to make that call. This is too much damage down here with basically six weeks below the long-term moving average and a lot of damage in the intermediate and short term. So what we need tomorrow is a positive day taking out yesterday or today's high and closing above that. We will see the short term begin to shoot way up tomorrow if that occurs but tomorrow if it does not occur with all of this resistance we could dr start dropping back down again and then we've got to start thinking about raising more cash and we've got to abandon the idea of a continuation in this bounce okay let's take a look at several other indexes. This is the NASDAQ. And it is weaker than the S&P, which was weaker than the Dow. I still have a slight incline on the long-term moving average, but that is not going to last through this Friday unless we get price back above it. And that would mean the short cutting through the intermediate and the intermediate turning up, which it is not doing now. It is still going down. So the NASDAQ is in a precarious position relative to the S&P and relative to the Dow. Remember, there's only 30 stocks in the Dow. There's 500 in the S&P. This is the NASDAQ 100. So there's 100 in this. So let's take a look at the NASDAQ itself. And it does not look very much different. And this has many, many more hundreds of stocks in it. So it's more representative. We did get a little bit of a pullback back here four weeks ago in the long-term moving average. 
which really had to do with things that were going on back here. Uh, and then it is slightly turned up because of all of this action. But it's in a very dangerous position right now, and it needs follow through tomorrow. Wednesday is a dead day, and so the anticipation of Thursday should be translated over into tomorrow's action. Um, I, we, Lee and I will do another vlog tomorrow and another one on Thursday. Um, looking at these same things and let's just keep our fingers crossed because it is not a good situation if we have begun a downtrend in the stock market. Uh, that will mean a weakening in consumer confidence, a weakening in corporate confidence, and therefore a weakening in the overall economy. And nobody should be rooting for that to happen. Don't believe if you are Bitcoiners that weakness in the stock market is going to be translated into strength in Bitcoin. I don't believe that for a minute. I'd like to take a quick look at the Dow transports because of the, uh, the Dow theory. And I like this as much as I like the Dow. Uh, Long-term moving average is flat to slightly up. The price closed below, but we spent most of the day above. But we did penetrate that long-term moving average. We almost did it last week. And this candle, even though it's red, um, was above all of the action from last week's very strong bounce. The, the last week action was able to turn the intermediate up, turn the short term up, and get the short term above the intermediate in an accelerating fashion. So if all we were looking at is the Dow and the Dow transports, I would be a lot more bullish than I'm coming across right now. But it did not happen with the S&P and it did not happen with the NASDAQ. One of the weaker of all of our indexes has been the Russell 2000 small cap and it still continues in bear market territory. Long term clearly moving down, not quickly but moving down, intermediate term and short term moving down. This action today slightly turned the short term up, but it's still below the intermediate. I would not be touching small cap stocks. Um, the good news on all of these charts, taking a little bit bigger picture, is that all of the action of all of the indexes is still above the February action. The consensio lines are much worse, as you can see. The price almost took out these lows, but it didn't. That's not a lot to hang our hats on, but if we go back very quickly, to the stronger indexes, such as the Dow, and then take a bigger picture, we see that not only did we hold these lows, but we also held the February lows.
and all of the activity of the moving averages are better than they were back in February. So that still gives me hope that the big Dow stocks and the big stocks that are non-tech related in the S&P uh, could be enough to keep this rally going. Um, but I would not be taking cash and putting it into U.S. stocks as of today's close. Now, the other thing I wanted to look at is something that Leah mentioned. And I am wondering if I have... I don't hear. Let's see if I can just quickly pull up. I'm going to pull up the TNX. Nice. And I am. Um, so for everybody watching, Bloomberg had a field day that there's an inverted yield curve right now. A lot of our followers before have told us when there was worries of this when I was hosting Tone Show as well, that yes, this can precede a recession. However, this is very mild. So I think Tyler will show you at least his opinions on if this inverted yield curve has, or I'll just say what he thinks. Um, Bloomberg was mostly talking about the five and 10 year. I think you're bringing up the two and five, yeah? Yeah, I want to pull up the, this is the 10 year because uh, people talk about the two and the five or the one and the three or the one and the five. I'm much more interested in the 10 and the three or the 10 and the five. Tyler, I can get it while you keep going. Okay. I can ask you questions and pull it up in the meantime. Yeah, that would be great. Why don't we just put it under, um, uh, let's see, how do I get that here? <laughs> Okay, there's the TNX. Uh, if you can just get me the symbol for uh, the three-year or the five-year, that'll be great. Mm -hmm. This is the 10-year yield, and it did something very surprising today. Um, it had been up as high as um, 328, 3.28% back here. And that spooked the markets. But over the last four weeks, that has come down back below 3% today. The uh, high today was 3.04. And the low was 2.986. And we closed it 2.992. And we've come right back to the long-term moving average. But notice what the short and intermediate term are doing. So now we're just using consensio on interest rates. And obviously, as interest rates come down, bond prices are going up. I believe that we're not going any lower than where we're sitting right here. Um, but a drop in interest rates. Remember, this is not controlled by the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve only has control uh, 
of the overnight 24-hour lending rate called the Fed funds rate. And it does influence all the other rates, but this is a market-driven bond yield. And what it is signaling through these four last candles is that traders believe, banks believe, central banks believe that the economy is weaker than we thought it was here. And the fact that the Federal Reserve has, Powell specifically has come out and, and tried to tell the market, some people think because Trump was beating up on him, but I don't. I think um, the world was beating up on him and the Federal Reserve because they thought they were increasing rates at too fast of a pace relative to where the economy was. And this action with the drop in the 10-year yield is signaling that um, the marketplace is worried about economic growth. So that even though the Fed might be suggesting that even though they will increase in December, some people are trying to debate that maybe they won't. Maybe they'll let it go. I don't think so. I think they will increase another 25 basis points in December on the Fed funds rate. But the market is hoping that they've gotten the signal that they should wait instead of looking for three or four increases next year maybe taming that down to two or three, and therefore we've got yields coming down. Now, I think this is an overreaction, but we're gonna use Consensio just like we do everywhere. Now, were you able to get the uh, three-year or the five-year? For the five-year, do FVX. Okay, let's add a symbol. F is in five. <laughs> v is in Victor. You got it. And X is in Z. Oh, okay. That's even better. Okay. FVX is at 2839. Now remember, 2992 was the close on the TNX. So that means the five year yield is below the 10 year yield. Now people say, well, yeah, but. That's not really what it means to have an inverted curve, but still we're awfully close. We're only about, um, let's do some quick math here. Instead of 299, 283, let's say 16 basis points, approximately, which is close, uh, but it is not inverted. But notice, that we are lower than the long-term moving average on the five-year. In other words, we penetrated that. The intermediate and short-term are still above, but they're coming down fast. So we need some kind of uh, bounce here quickly, or even the 10 and the five-year uh, could find themselves with a, a diminishing spread. And just one last one. Were you able to come up with the three? I didn't look for it. Hold on one second. Or two, even two. One, two year. A two-year note or a three-year note. How about two-year note? Do ZT. Uh, no, sorry. 
Yeah. Yeah, you'll have fun with that one. Two ZT? Just ZT. Just ZT. What's well, going to be the two-year T-note? Yeah, two-year notes. That's perfect. Uh, now, that might be price. Let's see. ZT. Um, bum, bum, bum. I haven't done these on TradeView. That doesn't look like it's working. Um, you want to have uh, that I can hit you with some other questions then? Uh, yeah, or if there's anyone listening that knows what the two-year yield looks like in terms of a ticker. Our live chatters are having way more fun with fake Toshi. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Okay. Uh, but my point is that today they were talking about two short-term yields. I think the two and the five and maybe the three and the five having actually crossed today. And Leah heard Bloomberg talking about it all day. To me, that is not significant. Um, it has not been historically. Um, oh, uh, Ty? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I saw, but I suck with trading views. So when you do the ZT, you get a couple options. Okay. One person said do the, well, easy enough. Just type in ZT1 exclamation point. Get excited. ZT1 exclamation point. Or just go to ZT at the top. This is so fun when we do this on air. Right. And then do you see how there's a drop down? No. no. Under? There we go. Yeah. To the left. The little arrow. <laughs> I don't see it on my screen. Oh, this right here? No, down. First one, ZT. Yep, ZT. Top one. Oh, this. Yep, there you go. Click it. Yeah, you get options. Oh, there's ZT1. Oh, that's futures. Two-year T-note future continuous. Uh, let's, let's try it just for chuckles. See what it looks like. We should be able to tell real quick. That's Yeah, that's the yeah. price of the bond. That's not the uh, yield. All right, live chatter. Okay, no problem. No. Uh, anyway, I don't – if we see the 10 – and 10 cross below the five or the 10 cross below the three, it'll do the five before the three. Uh, then to me, that is a sign that uh, a recession uh, could be happening within 18 to 24 months. That's what it means. It doesn't mean uh, that the economy begins to tumble. It is simply a precursor to almost all recessions. Um, but it's anywhere from 18 to 24 months out. Some people say it's a year out. Uh, it has not happened yet. And therefore, I'm not excited about it. All I'm looking for is getting through December, January, and February and hoping that uh, things turn out well for uh, the U.S. and China. Um, and what I basically mean by that is... Um, okay, we're off screen share? Yep. Wow, that was easy. Um, okay. Uh, here, here's the dealio on uh, the China situation. It, we've got a 90-day window. And people thought, oh, that 90-day window means that, you know, we're going to get into February. It doesn't. 
The 90 day window does not start until January 1st, which means we've got until March 30th for the Chinese negotiators and the US negotiators to come to a deal. And the way the Trump side is explaining it, the ball is in China's court to come back with major concessions. According to the Trump side, the Chinese agreed to come back with major concessions over the next 90 days, starting on January the 1st. The Chinese came out with their own explanation of what had happened at the G20, and it did not sound the way the Trump team has been talking about it. And that's why the confusion in the marketplace, and that's why the sell-off from the highs earlier this morning. So that's what's at issue here. We basically have from today through March 30th, and you know what that means. That means a lot of back and forth, and uh, you said, we said, you agreed, we agreed, and nobody coming to any sort of decision. And the more that goes on, the more perilous our stock market is. If somebody does something quickly, we might be able to, uh, turn uh, or at least keep going uh, in the rally that started last week and continued today. Okay, en enough of all that sort of stuff. Time. Yeah, please. Can I add to that? Because you know I love uh, talking about Chinese politics and economics and finance. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the trade deal, I couldn't agree with you more, but just adding to it from a financial perspective, right? Like, uh, and these are all issues that we've been following for so long, and yet it's always a surprise that it hasn't imploded yet. But I mean, even in November, the local bond defaults were at the highest levels this year. Okay, junk. Yeah, you know all this, Tyler. But Chinese junk bonds issuance tumbled to the lowest since 2014. But like local company bond failures are actually at the highest levels this year. They don't show any indications of abating. Defaults keep on rising. I mean, the picture is always just murky because jungle, but like, um, I mean, the, the picture isn't getting better. And yes, um, given this, uh, they say that we, you know, didn't have a Chinese trade apocalypse, but I couldn't agree with you more that there's more behind the picture, but um, Absolutely. the markets. You're exactly right. Um, because what we're really comparing here are two economies and how much room both of those economies have in a negotiating uh, posture. Uh, we mentioned before that there are 30 million apartments that are vacant in China, as in 30 million, as in, in families of four in the United States, we're talking about a third of the entire US population uh, that could fill up um, those 30 million apartment buildings. But because you've got 1.4 or 1.5 billion, um, the number doesn't seem that huge. But remember, that most of those buildings were built in the last 10 years. And they were built, which means huge construction, which means a lot of people being put to work and a lot of spending uh, for 
infrastructure, not only buildings, but roads leading to them and all the rest. And the fact that there's nobody living in any of them and all the shopping centers that were built to support them and the utilities that were built to support them are simply sitting idle. So from everything that Leah just said about cracks in the economic strength, we've gone from 15% growth to 12 to 10 to eight, now low sixes, possibly high fives, which everybody else in the world would love to have, but it's devastating for what's going on in China. And they were talking today, uh, Mnuchin specifically, and a couple of others about the fact that the Chinese have got this 2025 project in which everything is being thrown at it so that their growth hits certain targets by 2025. Just the opposite is happening internally. And that causes tremendous political pressure on all of the programs and the people all the way up to the very top who are behind those programs. Trump is offering a way out of that mess because by coming to some sort of an agreement, even with a number of concessions, they have to do the calculus, which will be better, playing hardball or giving in to a certain extent, but still saving face as best they can. And on the US side, we're teetering, as we just saw in our stock markets, to the possibility of the end of a 10-year bull market. Still strong economic growth relative to everyone else, still strong currency, but we're getting some signals here that uh, do not look good. And then when you throw in the possibility of an inverted yield curve that would point to maybe a year or a year and a half out actual contraction, recession, at least two quarters of negative GDP growth, the U.S. is not in a particularly strong position. If in 2019, excuse me, 2018, the market had not done what it is doing, which is going flat, um, up a little, down a little, up a little, down a little, and we had boomed into 2018 and strong into 2019, we probably would already have a deal. But that's not happening. Both sides are showing weakening economics, which is one reason I think they came to some sort of an agreement over the weekend. We just don't know exactly what that agreement was. So I would not be pessimistic, but I would be very realistic about what our market did today and going on for the rest of the week. Yeah. What would be interesting, I'm going to tie this to end us on Bitcoin though, um, is beyond our market, it's undeniable how closely linked and important the Chinese market is, not just obviously for Asian emerging markets, emerging markets around the world, but yes, our market, absolutely. And specifically when you were talking, what it reminded me of that you were talking about is the shadow banking sector, which I think the last time I was reading about it, we're at like $1.4 trillion that's being pumped through the shadow banking, 
which right. is just <laughs> dangerous and ridiculous, and especially in a country that so loves their censorship, right? And and actually, what's what's even scarier, more interesting, you know, because obviously, United States and China beyond what they're doing right now, they've had a long history of trying to make um, business very easy and, and still have special economic zones, SEZs. But even though this like China is still luring foreign investors to its bad loan market because of exactly what you said of building these apartment complexes and everything, I think that one of the biggest difficulties is how are you going to pick the winners from the bad apples? And at the end of the day, from a risk reward perspective, you know, I think that a lot of big time investors are going to start to pull out and say, you know, why do that? You know, and again, like it can maybe be compelling that there's so much distressed assets in China. Um, but again, I think that they would uh, a lot of prudent investors probably would walk away. And then again, right, like performance matters, not just the size. Right. And so what you're seeing out of China is just also just a lot of a lot of flops, a lot of distressed assets that we just talked about. I think the last time I looked at it again, it was like over 25% in the last year and a half. And then the big one that I like following and always did was NPLs, right? The non-performing loans is just, is, is bananas high. Um, and, you know, even like, again, low hanging fruit, like real estate debt, which is, can be easily recoverable, right? Is now either too expensive or in cities where the property markets have started to cave, uh, more bad loans. I mean, it's just it's just bad news. And but um, sorry, yeah, I got I got up on the tangent on this one. The no, but, last but, but that's that's what's important to, for everyone to understand. We're not just talking about Bitcoin. We're not talking just about the U.S. stock market. This trade thing could very possibly be the spark that causes the big problem to start uh, coming to the fore. The one that Lee and I've been talking about all year long, which is the worldwide debt credit problem. And which of the four solutions is going to happen first? Will it be Bitcoin? Will it be a gold standard uh, where the Chinese, the Indians and the Russians are buying up tons and tons and have for the last seven years because they know there is something afoot? You know, all the Chinese economists and business people and Politicians know the problem as well as everybody else, can't say it in public just the way no one else can say it in public. But nobody wants to be the one that causes not a downturn in the US and a downturn in China, but a problem we can't dig ourselves out of on a global basis. And uh, China, who would have thought that they might be the trigger for those events happening? and they know that, and the US knows it, and no one will know exactly what was said between all the parties, but somehow they bought 90 days to try to fix something. And uh, that's really what the issue is here. Well, yeah, go ahead, please. And maybe the promising to end on of one thing that we love, your favorite aspect of Bitcoin being unconfiscatability is that, um, for someone asked me if I should speak Chinese instead of speaking Chinese, I will say one thing instead, which is I studied the Hukuo system, which is that very simply put for a very long time. And still, if you're born in a city, um, you actually can't move from that city without a permit. So if you're born very poor in Ninxia or somewhere in the provinces, you actually can't just take a train and move to Beijing or Shanghai. Um, so then you also get the 
you know, shadow, not just banking system, but absolutely what you were talking about of just the, especially even higher in India, but it's unaccounted for shadow, uh, shadow economy. I think it's called. Yeah, um, exactly. So unconfiscatability. Um, yes, all the different bans going on in China, and I'll, I'll end with asking you this one, but if you have a situation like this where you are living ultra poor in an area of China, you are not legally allowed to move to a place with better prosperity and opportunities. Don't you think that this could potentially, if let's, let's get bullish on Bitcoin right now, but um, be a potential use case where that unconfiscatability could be very, very important. Absolutely. And the only way to unwind this uh, Gordian knot between these four competing forces, Bitcoin, gold standard, growth, and uh, default, is to watch each one of them carefully using technical trading systems. And that's why our upcoming webinar this Saturday, two o'clock, is going to go into how all of that ties together with the big picture. So, um, Leah, maybe just once more tell people how they can sign up for that webinar. <laughs> yeah, good call. We're right at 56 minutes. So, Great. I will screen share and fine. Nihao, Nizamayang, Washuala, Beida, Beijing, Tashway. Yeah, I can't do And I got, hold on, I don't even have the lucid funds up right now investment strategies yeah okay. there we go tyler are you going to speak chinese after this too no no not in this lifetime <laughs> okay everybody here's the site again right now until lucid funds also get switched in losing investment strategies nice and simple products webinars you can still buy all of them and you get 30 extra days so just an fyi on that um, but yes, the technical trading system is the Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight Time, I guess. Um, and it's as simple as that. Boom. Bitcoin or PayPal. Terrific. Thank you very much. Thank you, Leah. Thanks those uh, that are listening. And we will be back tomorrow. Woohoo. Zai Dan.